recent Democrat vote, which may prove that they in fact want to lose, alleged Democratic hopefuls for 2020, and media scrutiny of the border situation, all this and a little more is coming up in this edition. Get ready and tighten your Santa suits. Because of this is Fritzcast. Hi and hello and happy Thursday, November 29th, 2018. Guys, how are you doing? Last week was Thanksgiving. I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, I hope you stuffed yourselves full of whatever Thanksgiving fixings you typically uh, stuff thyself with. For real. For me, that was the traditional, you know, turkey stuffing cranberry. So, like, do we have to even go over it? Like, it's the typical, like, foods that you see at Thanksgiving. On a Thanksgiving table. Some people do the ham. That is definitely... It's definitely not... A Thanksgiving thing. You can do it if you want, but it's not a Thanksgiving thing in my mind. That's more of a... It's more of a Easter thing. If you catch my drift. Thanksgiving is for the turkey and the stuffing and the sweet mashed potatoes and uh, all that stuff. All the, all the good stuff. The green bean casserole stuff. Hello. Pumpkin pies. Apple pies a la mode. You know, the good stuff. That is Thanksgiving dinner. And rest assured, I had the one at my mother's house with the family. And uh, I had the one at the prison as well because, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, if you're forced to work a holiday, like Thanksgiving or whatever, it kind of sucks because the day is taken away from because you still have... The mundaneness of work. But it's also a tough work environment. Um, prisons this time of year. Prison is a tough environment to work anyway. Prison during the holiday season is an even worse environment to work in. Because uh, it's between now and probably January. Probably mid-January. Where... Uh, statistically, things like uh, the, the depression, mental illness, and suicide attempts go up. They go up like hotcakes because people are locked up and it's the holidays. That's just how it gets. People, people get that separation. Uh, they get very judgmental on themselves. And before you know it, you're finding people who are you know on the edge and, and, and want to want to commit suicide, and it becomes a hairy situation. I don't want to talk about suicide or suicide attempts or anything. It's just something that happens uh, in the prison environment, Uh, not only on one side of the bars, but the other side of the bars as well, the people who work in the building uh, on on all facets of the the correctional plane there. Um, It's just, it, it really, it's hard. It's hard to deal with, but you got to deal with it. Somebody's got to deal with it, so it happens. 
this past week, so I had I mean I had the great Thanksgiving. The the flooring in the in the other bedroom is done. I am so happy that it is just done in that room. I it's almost like I wish I could just be done entirely and not have to worry about doing it at all. But that room's done. We got stuff in that room. Now the house feels far, far less cramped than it did before. And that's a good thing. It's it's good to get rid of the cramped feeling of of having too much stuff around. It really it really is. So, we're not dealing with that anymore. And I get to look at like it, it was just like how I did this office. Now when I walk in that room, I look down at the floor. I look around and I go, you know, I'm proud of the job that I did. Very proud of the job I did. And it's very f- fulfilling. It's it's like it's like it's a whole different room. It really is. And I, and so I I get to be proud and brag about it. Shut up, you're going to listen to it for a minute. Uh also, and this is more over the past 2 weeks now. Um this is funny. I tweeted about it too. This is how my life works, okay? I know probably five or six people who have gotten LASIK eye surgery, you know, to correct their vision. And they go get it, and then they rave about it. Best thing in their lives ever. They wake up, they don't have to put contacts in anymore. They just see. It's wonderful. It costs maybe like $3,000 or whatever. I don't I don't know the pricing of it. Um, surprisingly, I don't know the pricing of it, despite the fact that four people have told me about it, right? But that's the thing, and that's all the rage right now. This, you know, getting LASIK eye surgery to repair your eyesight um, is is definitely a hot, ranting, raving topic in my life. That's what people are talking about. Um, and in my typical fashion, uh, years ago, I tried putting contacts in, and after sitting at the eye doctor for. I don't know how long. I must have sat there for a half hour or better. And this was years ago. And I couldn't get the contacts in. And I just looked up at the... Because they have, they have like these eye assistant people that are sit there. They're just sitting there staring at you as you try to put these things in your eyeballs. Right? And some people can be very helpful. Like they actually pay attention to what you're doing. And they go, listen, this is, this is what's happening. You're closing your eye, which is natural. And this is how you combat that. And if you do it this way, practice this way, you'll get that contact in. So it's like they can coach you through it. And 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 some people do it great. Then you can get other people who just kind of sit there and stare. And they're like, oh, did you get it? Did you get it? Oh, no. Okay. Don't worry about it. Take your time. But they don't really give you the advice or help you get the contact in. So it sucks. I sat there years ago for uh, it was definitely a half hour if not more and after a half hour of not being able to get the contact in even one eye I said you know what glasses would just be easier because you can just throw them on and throw them off and it's not a big deal so I stuck with glasses and I've been rolling with glasses for quite a quite a long time if I had Rolled with glasses like I should have. You know, we were talking about... I originally got glasses in like the first grade. But I never wore them throughout elementary or middle school. And then in high school, I wisened up because I was like, I can't... I really can't see like four feet in front of me. So, 
So I started wearing glasses then, kind of stopped, met my wife, dated her. We got our lives in order, and she was like, yeah, you need your glasses, buddy. And I, you know, I stuck with it since then. So been rocking with glasses for eight years, but now this last eye exam, annual eye exam time, I uh, said I was going to do the contacts, and I was going to be able to do the contacts. And I sat there probably for another half hour. I don't know, though. I didn't really. I lost track of time. But I finally got the first one in on my left eye, thanks to the very helpful eye people there, the the, the assistants or examiners that they put on to watch me because they actually coached me through it, and I got the contact lens in. The one eye, and then I got it in the other eye, and they were like, okay, so how do they feel? I didn't really notice that they were on my eyes, other than the fact that I shoved them on my eyeballs. And But then I, like, I noticed, I looked around, and I was like, holy crap. I can see in widescreen. This is crazy. And they kind of laughed and snickered at that, but, you know, for real. You wear glasses, your peripheral vision isn't there because your glasses can only correct so much of your vision so having my entire field of vision was like mind blown to me and then being able to get up and walk around and you know my brain thinking like wait you don't have your glasses on you can't see that wait why can you see that um there was a little bit of that going on and so they're like well do you like them like they're like you have a week with these take a week See how you like them. Come back for a follow-up exam. Come in wearing them, and we'll check them. And then you can order, if you feel like it, you can order, you know, a supply for the year or whatever. And uh, that's what I did. I ordered monthly disposable contact lenses. And uh, ever since then, I've been rocking with it. Uh, Sometimes in the morning, it's sometimes, usually my left eye, I can get it right on in. And my right eye gives me a struggle for a minute or two. But uh, I imagine with more time, that'll just uh, become easier and easier. But it's just funny to me because I have so many friends ranting and raving about the latest, greatest LASIK technology of shooting laser beams into your eyeballs to correct your vision. And here I am taking a technology that actually, if you read in the history, and I had no idea about this at all, but uh, contact lenses date back all the way to like the early 1950s and really the experimental first trial ones were in the late 1800s what so here i am walking around with a technology that like 200 million or more people actually use every day and i'm mind blown by it because it's it's amazing to me and it i mean some of it might seem stupid some people may be like oh, why not just have glasses why really go to the contact lenses at all and it's just, it's, I mean, maybe it's stupid little things, but you pick up on things. Like, ever since I haven't worn my glasses, I have them. I have them for emergency use. Uh, if I'm going to bed, but I still want to be able to see for a little bit, then I take my contacts out, put my glasses on. Because if I fall asleep with my glasses on, it might not be that big of a deal versus falling asleep with contacts in my eyeballs. But little things, too, like... Uh, how the frames of my glasses put pressure on the sides of my head, like on my near my temples and back where the uh, the arms of the glasses would tuck behind my ears. There was always a lot of pressure there. I guess I got used to it and didn't realize it, but since I've been walking around without glasses on now, I'm amazed at the difference 
if I put them on now for an elongated period of time, I'm like, wow, I walked around with that pressure on my the side of my head that long, really? So now I'm a contact guy. Uh, uh, technology, amazing, wondrous. And getting them out is easier than getting them in. Because when I take them out at night, it only takes me 30 seconds. Putting them in, it still takes me like two two minutes, maybe three. Just because of my damn right eye. And I was convinced years ago that it would never work because my eyes are kind of squinty. Um, and I'm like, well, it's not going to work. But my wife, bless her soul, uh, totally pulled out. She's <laughs> like, your eyes aren't that squinty. Uh, okay. They're my eyes, and I see them every day, and I think they're I think they're a little squinty. And she would say, "I've seen Asians with squintier eyes put contacts in than you." Okay, so besides the fact that my wife is a racist, because she was referring to a friend of ours who actually wasn't an Asian, uh, but still, besides the fact that my wife is a uh, incredibly racist person, which I I. I now disavow myself from her, right? No, no. It, it, it's a joke, people. Please, please. It's a joke. Just take it at base value. Let's keep rolling with this. Let's roll beyond it, all right? And it's funny, too, because I just want to battle with my... I, I want to battle over my wife, with my wife, against my wife. But I don't even know how to properly phrase this one. I did Christmas decorate. Like, the house is decked out. Um, The outside of the house, the lights are up. I had a Yoda lawn inflatable. I still have that Yoda lawn inflatable. He's sitting on top of a stack of Christmas presents holding a candy cane, wearing a Santa hat, which is, which is, mind you, right now you're thinking, God damn, that's nerdy. And you're right, it is. It's super nerdy. It's Star Wars and Christmas all wrapped into one. And it's awesome, and I bought it for like 30 bucks um, a couple years ago after Christmas because it was a freaking, it was an inflatable no, actually, it wasn't even thirty bucks. It was like twenty-four, some odd ass seventy-nine price, twenty-four seventy-nine or whatever. So I bought it at a bargain. All right. And my original plan was to get all these different Star Wars Christmas ornaments and be that nerdy house on the block. Like, oh yeah, that guy loves Star Wars and he loves Christmas, so he decks out his house in Star Wars Christmas crap. Isn't that cute? Here's the thing, though. Star Wars popularity, when they were pumping these things out, was right after The Force Awakens came out, and it was at peak popularity. Then The Last Jedi came out, and now people are kind of like, you know, oh yeah, Star Wars is a thing. That's right. So it's not as popular, and uh, finding Star Wars Christmas-themed uh, uh, decorations doesn't work out so hot now. There's probably like... Three other Star Wars Christmas inflatables that you can buy. There used to be a, a crap ton of them. But now it's only like four that they manufacture. They don't even manufacture the, the Yoda one anymore. And I was like, well, this sucks. Because I was, I'm slowly buying all what I decorate the house with outside. And my wife was like, well, uh, you, you can't mix and match. It either has to be all Star Wars or you're going to have to get rid of the Yoda. I know. What a... what Err. Grr. Excuse me, miss? You think we're going to get rid of Yoda sitting on a stack of Christmas presents holding a candy cane wearing a Santa hat? You think we're going to get rid of that? Really? Really? Well, 
this has been an ongoing two and a half year, three year battle. And it just so happens that I won because now there is a giant Snoopy holding a Christmas present wearing a Santa hat that sits right next to Yoda outside. Because I'm in charge of the outside decorating and I don't care if I have multiple themes of Christmas because the the shared theme is Christmas. What a Grinch. She was. But now she sees the light and she likes the fact that Snoopy's out there with Yoda. Who knows what else will get added out there because the only other thing I have on the house is icicle lights. So, will there be more to deck the halls with outside the house? Maybe. She, she, she's willing to buy some more stuff. And I'm, I, I've slowly realized that I'm that guy. I'm that guy that... Uh, Absolutely, when Christmas time comes, I love decorating. I love getting a Christmas tree. I love rigging up the lights. I love trimming the tree. I love putting my nativity set out. I love, love, love my Lego village, which I will have video footage and more pictures of soon. So stay tuned on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And the FritzCast YouTube page, which is severely lacking in content right now. But I love it. I am that guy. I will deck the halls, and if you do not like it, then you can not deck the halls with me and be over there and be a loser. All right, so that's that's enough status update, right? That's enough Christmas and holiday hoopla and the magic of putting contacts in your eyeballs, right? I think that's that's enough, so let's move on to the news. And why it matters. Oh, crap. I'm going to owe money to the Blaze now because I just stole a title of their podcast. Which which is a great podcast, mind you. The News and Why It Matters by the Blaze. Tune into that if you're not tuning in. And I have actually one other podcast for you to listen to. Uh, to suggest to you this week before I dive into the news. And that would be Something's Off with Andrew Heaton. That's presented by The Blaze as well. Andrew Heaton works with Reason Magazine, The Blaze now, and uh, a couple other different platforms. But Something's Off with Andrew Heaton is a hilarious podcast, and I love Andrew Heaton, and I really do implore you to go listen to him. Okay, so one of the big stories, and I don't want to focus on it for too long because so many people have talked about it and are talking about it, is the border and the migrant caravan and all that jazz. Uh, namely, I guess it would be the numerous articles I've read in the past couple of days and numerous headlines I've seen in the past couple of days talking about how in Donald Trump's America, we tear gas women and children at the border and that makes us terrible human beings. Uh, here's the thing with the border situation, the migrant caravan, the migrant caravan was kind of talked up prior to the midterm elections. Some people thought that it was literally uh, something that stirred that was stirred up by Trump as a talking point for those elections. Uh, for, I guess, you know, fuel for the fire, if you will. And, uh, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago there would have been credence to that, except there was, you know, migrants storming the border walls and the border fences and uh, the entry points over the past week. 
And yes, they did deploy pepper spray and tear gas and all that. And when this stuff comes into play, I, you know, I I kind of chime in for my law enforcement background and knowledge of use of force models and things of that nature. And uh, first and foremost, the first and foremost, before I dive into any of it, let me explain to you my stance on immigration and my view that I have adopted and amended from libertarianism and open borders and all that. Okay. I am, first and foremost, pro-immigration. I am pro the idea that people are free to move around this globe to find places where they want to live, want to work, want to prosper, and want to build their lives and their families. All right, I believe everybody has a right to that movement. Uh, I also believe that countries have a right to establish borders and zones of, of where their jurisdiction is, so to speak. Uh, so those are some building blocks, right? I do believe that nations can have borders. I do believe that people should be able to freely move of their own accord to those places. Do I believe that countries have a right to restrict completely whether or not they allow immigration or not that's a that's a touchy subject that can open up a big can of worms um brings to mind things like uh, the berlin wall communism and uh and authoritarianism in my mind when you talk about erecting walls and big borders and not allowing anybody in, but imagine on the flip reverse side if things got so bad in America that they wouldn't let you leave America. That's something that that's a big, broad aspect of talking about borders, border security, border walls, everything that everything that you can think of pops up when you think about it in a broad context, not not just like uh, I live in America and I don't want people coming in my country illegally. That very much dumbs down and simplifies an argument and doesn't really even begin to cover the aspects of, of the idea of immigration. And when people think about and debate immigration, they only really think about it in terms of people coming to their country. They never think about it in terms of if they wanted to leave the country. Uh, surprisingly, you find a lot of people that don't want to leave the country, um, even super hardcore lefties that said that they would leave this country if Donald Trump was elected and are still here to this day uh, because those statements are always disingenuous and always trumped up, if you will. Uh Uh, So I'm pro-immigration. I'm pro, you know, if people want to immigrate here to America because America is awesome, we're, uh, you know, number one, land of the free, if in name and in motto only and not in practice but we are the land of the free you know this is a better place to build your family up yada 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 clearly a lot of people want to come here to america despite the fact that there's a liberal progressive narrative that america is the worst place in the face of the world the patriarchy reigns supreme women have no rights and donald trump is a nazi that's that's America, and people are trying to flood and get into here. Apparently, under those conditions, that the that the more hardcore lefties would suggest that we live in. 
we of course know that a lot of that is rhetoric and not true, and it's just fun and it's a money making thing and it's an attention grabbing, attention whoring thing, and it works. Um, baffles my mind that it works, but it works. So that's my that's my stance on immigration. However, it gets very complex when we're talking about is it immigration to a is it a merit based immigration? Is it welfare? Is it immigration to welfare? Uh, I believe a couple episodes ago, I can't remember exactly, but I know I played the Milton Friedman clip of why you can't have open borders and a wel- and a welfare state. Uh, you can't have open borders and welcome in just anybody that wants to come in if you have a welfare state because that means the system's getting flooded with people because, you know, hey, you're giving things away. Or you're taking care of us, and we don't even have to pay taxes. Um, oh, taxes. Taxation is theft. Taxation is theft. See, this argument starts off, you think it starts off simple. And then it blows up into about a dozen other subjects, which is really hard to quell. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting off track here. Let me get to, Let me get the train back on the tracks. Pro-immigration Not so pro-welfare state Especially in terms of immigration And now we have Ooh, they were They were tear gassed and pepper sprayed At the border Women and children were How disgusting I mean What the hell have we become? That's that's the narrative and the argument that takes place. But, surprisingly, in all that, you only get, like, one news guy saying this. It's okay, Gabby, just you. stay on this for a moment, because some people look at these images sure. and they listen to the president who says, it's not women and children, it, it's stone-cold criminals. So, my first question is, you're in that tent camp. Besides that family, give us the profile of who is there mostly and what are they looking for? Because it seems as though, to your point, they don't actually have the necessary information so they know how to cross the border. There could have people, there could be people yesterday who were running because they thought it was their only chance. Right. And it's very difficult because this has become such a polarizing issue. If we kind of take a walk, you'll, you'll be able to see for yourself. Again, this is the inner sanctum of the shelter. Uh, so uh, you're, you're going to see a lot of families here, a lot of uh, women and children. Uh, but the, the truth is the majority of the people that are part of this caravan, especially outside, if we can make our way all the way over there, uh, we'll show you the majority of them are men. So uh, when this becomes a polarized political issue, United States, you have people on one side uh, that point and say there are women and children here, and that is true. And then there are others who point and say uh, these are are men that that are trying to cross the border, and that's true too. Um, From what we've seen, the majority are actually men, uh, and some of these men have not articulated that need for asylum. Instead, uh, they have talked about you know going to the United States for a better life and to find work. Uh, But if we come this way here, we're just gonna uh, leave. This is where where there's a, a 
food bank that's set up, and you've got a long line of men. Earlier, we saw about five, six hundred men standing in line waiting for uh, food, and it looks like that's dwindled down. But this is the outskirts, and we're going to pass through here. I'm going to show you where there are some uh, there are some police officers, and uh, and this is the. This is the outer perimeter. This is where we're starting to see uh, a large portion of uh, police that are forming up on each side of the caravan. So uh, this is the outskirts over there. Way down by those trees, there are police, many police in riot gear. And we don't know if they are here to actually protect the migrants, uh, which is another thing that we've heard because there are people here in Tijuana that want these migrants to leave, or they are here because they may make some sort of incursion into this shelter and try to remove some of the people that were involved uh, in yesterday's skirmishes. Guys? Wow, it was so, it was shocking, shocking to hear that on MSNBC. But what did their reporter report? Oh yeah, yeah. There's women and families here, but there's also a lot of men. A lot of men who aren't articulating that they want asylum. They just want to go to America, build a better family. Yada 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 yada. All right, but clearly there's different narratives that can be pushed here. Is it all just women and children? No, it's not all just women and children. Wake up. This is 2018. People aren't stupid and people aren't just going to buy the women and children line every time that is dropped. For real. People aren't. And as for as far as storming the border, having tear gas and pepper spray, which by the way are not lethal at all. They are not lethal means of control. Tear gas, pepper spray. This all happened multiple times over and over under the Obama administration. Okay, politifact.com, quick check. We'll find that Sarah Huckabee Sanders mentioned tear gas was used on average once a month during the Obama administration for very similar circumstances, which is mostly true. In fact, border protection use of tear gas from fiscal year 2012 through 2018. 2012, it was used 26 times, 27 times in 2013, 15 times in 2014, 8 times in 2015, 3 times in 2016, 18 times in 2017, and 29 times in 2018. Now, a lot of people are going to say, what about ism? Well, you know, why you keep going back to Obama and what about ism? Because this was conveniently ignored under the Obama administration. The media did not care because President Barack Obama was a media darling. Everybody loved President Barack Obama. He could do no wrong. And remember, that's the president who had no scandals, right? <laughs> ha. Ha ha. 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 jokes were bad so i you know there's a lot more to look at other than just taking the news at face value taking what occupied democrats tell you happens at face value and just hating donald trump because he's donald trump all right i mean be fair about it it's been an issue that's ongoing if you're disgusted by it and you just want to be vocal about it now why weren't you vocal about it before why were you ignorant of the subject before start asking yourself those questions and start asking yourself how you really feel about immigration again all for immigration but if we have a welfare state 
everybody's going to want to rush in and come in. And guess what? We cannot take care of everybody that wants to come in. It's not possible. We can't take care of our own people, let alone an influx of more people that want to come in. So what kind of immigration do you want? Do you want a merit-based immigration? Do you want people who are going to come in, obtain jobs, education, and work hard? Which, by the way, there's been plenty of people who've come in here illegally who have done those things. Is that the kind of immigration you want? People who are going to come in and work hard and do that? Or do you want immigration... Do you want people coming in here and immigrating because we have a welfare system in which they just feel like they're going to be protected and taken care of by our government? Which, mind you, is not the government's job. And in fact, go on like theblaze.com or go on the Blaze's YouTube channel because you can see how four years ago, four years ago, Glenn Beck the Blaze, Mercury One, they were going down to the border and supplying food and toys for kids at the border that weren't being allowed in because of, you know, security measures, and that was under the Obama administration. But did anybody cover it on the news? No. They didn't cover it on the news because we have a lovely double standard going on. Now, yesterday, the uh, the Democrats on Wednesday, uh, voted to nominate House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi to be the next Speaker of the House. Uh, Resistance to her leadership, there was about, what, 32 Democrats? That's what this article from The Hill is saying. 32 Democrats voted against Nancy Pelosi. And here's the thing. If you ask me, for, for, for a party that attacks Donald Trump and gets easy fuel for that fire because the president is more or less an idiotic tweet monger. <laughs> and you could you could parse his account for any amount of tweets that you would want and, and come up with a good game plan or whatever. To me, Democrats seem to be very, very, very underwhelming and uninspired uh, considering the fact that they did just take back the, the House of Representatives Sure, they didn't take back the Senate, but they took back the House of Representatives, which is, mind you, significant. And 2020, there will be elections. But they want to pick somebody like Nancy Pelosi, who is who's already in this position as Speaker of the House, and and sucked at it, for real. I mean, really. She's already gone toe-to-toe against a a Republican Senate and it was it was a crap fest but they they, they voted her in as as uh, speaker of the house and 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 here we are we we're gonna have more Nancy Pelosi I don't know what that's gonna accomplish it's not really going to accomplish anything it's not really gonna help your case out either and then you get stupid people with these articles and these dream tickets for 2020 featuring people like Kamala Harris and Beto O'Rourke. I mean, if I can't believe that you guys would get so strong behind Beto O'Rourke as your shot at defeating Donald Trump. Because Beto O'Rourke lost to the Zodiac Killer. 
He couldn't beat Ted Cruz, who there's Republicans that are inflamed and and enraged by Ted Cruz. And Beto O'Rourke couldn't beat him. Yes, yes, it was. Mind you, it was close. I will, I will say that. You know what else was close? Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. It was close, but who got all the electoral votes? Donald Trump did. And I'm just saying, you want to put Beto up against him and think you got a shot at winning? All right, Bernie Sanders is still in that mix. Hillary Clinton is still in that mix. So far, the Democratic Party has uh, coughed up rather lame names uh, for potential presidential candidates. Considering that you can throw in, I am Spartacus, Cory Booker in there. And it's, it's incredibly dumb. It's incredibly dumb the amount of choices they have. Not to mention the fact that probably another leading one is, uh, is former Vice President Joe Biden, who, uh, honestly speaking, I'm not really a fan of Joe Biden. I don't hate the man. He's, he's, he's the pride and joy of Delaware ever since Joe Flacco started sucking at football. <laughs> but Joe Biden, you know, he is what he is. Uh, he's a big-time gaffer. Um, however, I'm telling you people, if, if, they, if the Democratic Party elevates Joe Biden uh, to go up against Donald Trump, there, therein lies a swing I hate to say it, just because Biden's probably more middle of the pack and can appeal to more people and probably appeal to more independents than, than say, Beto O'Rourke or Kamala Harris or Cory Booker could. And that, that worries me a little bit. Um, I've had friends actually suggest, could you imagine if Joe Biden ran? As president, and he ran as uh, with Barack Obama as his vice president. And I said, "Well, yeah, guess what? That can't happen because Barack Obama's been president for maximum terms, and he would be next in the line if something happened to old Uncle Joe." And that that whew, that don't mix, that don't work. So that dream ticket's off the table. You know, you can wipe that one off. But still, I mean, but that that that's but those are the potential twenty twenty candidates. That are in the talk right now. And uh, yeah, I think Elizabeth Warren is still in that mix. Surprisingly, you figure that would go out the window after the 1-1024th thing. But uh, you know, apparently not. But that's what they want to cook up. That's what they want to muster up as taking on Donald Trump. And I think the GOP would do better just to let Donald Trump get primaried. I think he'd have a much more interesting election if the GOP allowed Trump to get primaried and you threw, I don't know, I'm thinking I'm thinking of some names that I would like to see in there. Like maybe throw Rand Paul in there, uh, Ben Sass maybe, uh, maybe get maybe have Justin Amash go for it, you know? Why not? Um, those are three heavyweights that I would suggest are Trump critics, not 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 MAGA hardcore people who could stir up more interesting dialogue and debate than any of these Democratic-suggested candidates right now. So it'll be interesting, to say the least, because they're clearly gearing up for that as well. But they're picking people like Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House. 
Uh, am I scared? No. Not really, because it is so uninspired. And it is so... They have so much fuel. It's like they don't know what to do with it. It's like they have so many options that they don't know what to do with it. They have an environment that could probably be bred perfectly for, for taking it by storm. And they can't do it. Really surprising. But... Again, that's probably a testament to America. Uh, to America, the more independent-mindedness of people, the wanting to move away from the duopoly of Democrat and Republican, and promote more, you know, maybe third-party options. Oh my God! Uh, other than that, those are the real hot topics I wanted to talk about. However. There might be something about Donald Trump's tariffs from a while ago to bring up, um, as reported by Reason.com on November 26th, just a couple days ago. Um, General Motors has announced that they're doing 14,000 layoffs right after Thanksgiving and right before the holiday season. 14,000 layoffs from GM and... People are trying to figure out what to blame for this. Uh, some people are blaming the tariffs of Donald Trump, which has uh, impacted the steel industry. Some people are saying, well, that means that, that, that that's a testament of why manufacturing at home should take place, right? So don't blame the tariffs, blame GM. And I'm in, I'm in the game of, I'm not going to point at any single one thing. I'm not going to say, oh, GM's laying off 14,000 people because of tariffs. I'm not going to say GM's laying off 14,000 people because subsidies that the government provided for them and bailouts that the government provided for them are finally becoming undone. I'm going to say it's a combination of, of, of several different factors, including how business models run and operate and how you sustain yourself as a business. 14,000 jobs is, is a tough hit on uh, an, an economy and a company like that. But is it a job of the government and the American taxpayer to bail out a company like that to save 14,000 jobs when practices of the company or the economy of that company might not change at all? This goes back to the presidential debates between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders and all that when they were talking about bailout bills for the auto industry that also included the bank industry. But, is, you know, how much money can you throw at a problem before the problem becomes not worthy of that money? And many would argue that it wasn't worthy of the money the first time around. It's tough, but this, this, is, this is where we sit. Is GM a business that's worth subsidies and, and bailouts? And did the tariffs play a role in the impact of... of how it was operating. I don't know. Those are questions to think about, though. Uh, if you haven't heard of my voice, though, I'm a little under the weather. My wife's been under the weather for a week and a half. So I'm going to cut it off here, but it's cool because it's been 40 minutes anyway. So, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, catch me on Twitter at FritzQS, Facebook.com slash the FritzCast, YouTube, search FritzCast Podcast. Uh, Minds.com slash the Fritzcast and uh, FritzcastPodcast at gmail.com. And guys, I hope you're 
getting ready and enjoying this this holiday season unraveling. I'm 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 loving it. Uh, but I'm a sap and I love this stuff. I'm but I'm not sappy enough to like Hallmark movies. I'm gonna end this on this note. Can you believe this? We were decking out what was it, my wife's aunt's house. And she turns on Hallmark and the movie's on and I'm, you know, semi paying attention to the movie. That looks like it was shot on an iPhone. Um which isn't to diss an iPhone because I shot a lot of the Metallica concert footage that I went to on an iPhone in 4K, which was very impressive. But it's not impressive when you're looking at a produced movie on a television. Hallmark movies are terrible. They're sappy. My mother's going to hate me for saying it because she she loves them. She watches every single one of the Hallmark Christmas movies. I googled this shit. Apparently... Hallmark makes its living off of Christmas movies because they made something towards 80 to 90 new films for this year alone for Christmas. There's like 80 of them. 80 Hallmark Christmas movies. And they're sappy and they're dead. They're like, to me, they're trash. They're garbage. There might be one or two decent films, but then I was just talking to a dude at work, and his wife watches them all, too, and he said, yeah, you know, there's maybe one or two good ones that are surprising. That'll that'll surprise you, but 80! Who does that? And by the way, the amount of Christmas stuff that, that comes out that's actually decent and memorable... It's sad to say, but like, think about a think of Christmas movies, real actual Christmas movies, not Hallmark sappy crap that that's produced uh, the eighty per year, eighty brand new Hallmark Christmas movies that you can watch from Thanksgiving night all the way up through New Year's. But think about like the last major Christmas movie that you went in theaters to say. For me, that answer is maybe The Grinch. That was Jim Carrey's live action, The Grinch. Maybe, maybe. And when it comes to Christmas movies, me, I'm classics. Frosty the Snowman, The Grinch, um, anything by Rankin Bass, uh, the musicals, the Miser Brothers, right? Snow Miser, Heat Miser, probably the best duo ever made. I'm classics. I hate sap, and it's sad because of the music, too. You'll see so many different artists and renditions of the same songs, but then every once in a while... You come out with something that is truly unique and different and cool. And you'll find somebody doing it. Like Three Doors Down did a Christmas song that was completely different and wasn't sappy and corny and all that crap. And they did that like a couple years ago. But usually it's just the same crap over and over again. So there's that. But hopefully you're getting in the spirit of the season. And uh, going on, we'll, we'll, we'll get into more Christmassy crap too. You know, just to take a step away from politics. But anyway, I love you guys, and I'll see you guys next week.